Welcome to the KnoxCast, where we talk to the community about all things Knox. My name is Mitch Prentice, and today we have the honor of speaking with Natasha Caudill, a 2020 Knox graduate. Natasha has crafted a successful career for herself on TikTok since graduating, making videos for her 1.3 million followers and counting on the topics of makeup, fashion, and most importantly, the colorblindness she is impacted by on a daily basis. She took some time with us today to chat about a day in the life of a TikTok creator and how her time at Knox helped her get to where she is today. Natasha, how are you doing? I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing well. Are you happy <laughs> to be back in Galesburg? I'm so excited. I love Galesburg. Now, when were you when were you here last? A few weeks ago, actually. Okay. Um, but okay. before that, it had been like a couple years. A couple years. Yeah. Okay. So what, what brought you here more recently? I was here for an alumni panel for City Year. Okay. Um, so that's what I did for two years after Knox. Um, and we were here to just like talk about it on campus. Okay. Great. Great. So I want to get into the the earliest parts of your Knox memory here. Um, what was it that like ultimately led you to come to this college? What was kind of, tell me about that story. So I really loved Abraham Lincoln and my mom Googled liberal arts colleges and Abraham Lincoln and Knox came up, That'll obviously. Do That'll do it. Um, and I was like, I've never been to Illinois and it seems very cold there. So no, I'm not going to Knox College. Um, but my mom made me apply anyway. <laughs> And I ended up coming to Knox College. Um, okay. It was it really wasn't a big decision. I just one day was like, yeah, I think I'll go to Knox. Um, and I never visited campus or anything. Uh, it's totally on a whim. Interesting. And I'm very glad that I did that. <laughs> That's interesting. Most people that I talk to say that their first campus visit is what does it. Uh, it's the the scenery if they come in the fall or maybe their tour guide or something like that that's normally what does it so that's that's interesting that you had never come to campus before um and you said you're in chicago now but where did you grow up uh, i grew up in memphis tennessee okay so galesburg was a big change <laughs> yeah so you're going from big city to tiny city yes um what was that transition like was that pretty jarring for you it oh it absolutely was i mean i was really excited about just college in general but it was definitely a huge just lifestyle change. Um, like I'd never left home before, you know, leaving my friends and family. Um, it was really, it, it's honestly really difficult. I think my first term at Knox was really hard because I was just really homesick the whole time. Mm -hmm. So you would have been here from 2017 to 2020, right? 2016 to 2020. 2016 yes. to 2020. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, um, so you graduated in an interesting time. <laughs> do you do you use that? Like, obviously, you know, I don't need to remind everyone of what, what happened in 2020 with the pandemic. It's a long telltale at this point. But is that kind of like a staple piece of your like exit from college? Do you think of it that way, or is it just kind of something that passed by? I mean, it definitely wasn't the way I wanted to end yeah. uh, college. I didn't get my spring term senior year, and there was a lot of stuff I was looking forward to. Mm. Um, but honestly, when I think about Knox, I definitely, I don't really focus on that because I think that was a very negative part. Yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, most of my Knox experience was very positive. So I think I focus on all of that more. Yeah. Tell me about, so looking at your time at Knox, tell me what, what are some of the highlights of your, your time here all four years? You know, what comes to mind immediately? Oh my gosh. I, so when I came to Knox, again, I love Abraham Lincoln. And so I was like, I want to study American history. So I immediately started taking history classes. And in high school, I, um, I, was not, I was not a leader. I was a follower. I wouldn't join a club if I didn't have six friends also joining with me. And I wasn't extremely comfortable in that environment. 
Um, and coming into Knox, I had this mindset of like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try new things. I'm gonna get involved. And that is exactly what I did. I joined Student Senate. I joined Alpha Phi Omega. I started okay. working in the Office of Admission. I did blessings in a backpack. I was probably the most involved a Knox student can be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so just all of those activities are just like all my favorite parts of Knox. Yeah, and it feels like for uh, from a lot of alumni and current students that I've spoken with, like doing those extracurriculars and kind of being a part of the campus seems to be this like integral part of the experience, right? Does that seem like you wouldn't have had the same experience without doing all that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I had a lot of friends who went to like really big universities and they they were not having that experience but i think everyone on everyone at knox was having that experience because everyone does everything at knox <laughs> and is it does it feel like you kind of had the opportunity to do that because you know like you said you're, you're coming from memphis to galesburg right like downsizing <laughs> and and knox is is a small campus it's very close-knit very friendly does it feel like the size of the campus and the size of the community kind of helped you be able to have access to those opportunities? Do you feel like on a on a bigger scale, maybe it would have intimidated you a little bit more to do those kind of things? Or what, what ultimately led you to feel comfortable to like dive into all of that? Yeah, I mean, so my dad is a college professor mm-hmm. um, and he's at a big university. And when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do for college, I knew I wanted to go to a small school because I wanted my professors to like actually know my name and know who I was. And I think like that honestly is a huge part of it, like actually getting to know people. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of people will look at Galesburg and they'll say, oh, it's really small. But to me, I was able to walk into like half the places in Galesburg and immediately know people because you know, everyone knows everyone. Um, And I think just making those connections initially really helped me feel comfortable, like doing new things and trying new things. What would you say is the most underrated restaurant in town? What was your favorite place to eat when you were here? I I mean, I think it's, I don't think it's rated enough. I love Iron Spike, the Mm. Asian Crunch Burger. Oh, that's interesting. The best. I, there are a lot of alums who would agree with me. It's it's the best, and the beer, of course. <laughs> that that's an interesting choice. The uh, that specific burger. Are you a big burger fan? Or? I no, I'm actually not. It's just that burger from Iron Spike. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, anybody listening has to go try that. Yeah. Out. I think I'm gonna have to. I never had that. Oh, before. you need to have that. I normally go for. I, th- I don't know if they're sliders, but it's some sort of like barbecue sandwich they have there. And yeah, Iron Spike is incredible. It's a, and it's like within walking distance too, which is an underrated thing for most restaurants in that area of town. Is like you can just walk. Oh over yeah. There, you know. Um, well, that's interesting. And I, obviously, one of the, the big things we're here to talk with you about today is your postgraduate success in the social <laughs> world. Um, for those of you who don't know, let's see, you're up to 1.3 million followers on TikTok yes, now? Yes, I don't know the exact number. but Right, because yeah. they, they just kind of decimal it at the first digit. Yeah. It's kind of a gamble, like, when am I going to hit 1.4? Yeah. Who knows, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's, that's pretty incredible. I mean, I remember... Back in the day, back in the day, right? As if that's a long time ago, when on uh, on YouTube, hitting that one million mark was like this grand occasion, like huge, and it still is, right? Like yeah. one million followers is definitely a lot more commonplace in this in this era, but mm-hmm. it's still a huge success mark, right? Yeah. Um, when did you get into TikTok, and did you ever imagine that you'd get to this level at this point? First of all, no, never, never in my wildest dreams. Um, it was actually in 2019. The summer before my senior year at Knox, I kept seeing all these funny videos on Facebook. Um, And so I was like, oh, I want to watch these videos. So I downloaded TikTok. I'd never heard of the app before. 
And I, any of my friends can tell you, I'm like pretty facetious. And so I told all my friends, I was like, I'm going to start posting and I'm going to be famous Mm -hmm. on TikTok Mm -hmm. as a complete joke. Um, And, you know, my entire life, uh, when people meet me, you know, my blindness comes up. And every Mm -hmm. time I've said, you know, oh, I'm colorblind, people always thought that was really cool. Like, Mm -hmm. it was a very interesting reaction. And so I thought, you know, why don't I make videos about this? Um, And so I made one video it was like this was august of 2019 and it was funny because i was actually going out to dinner with one of my knox friends who um, had graduated the year before um and so you know we were talking about it and uh it wasn't until like a month later i'm back on campus uh i was working in admissions and so we were here early for training and the video for some reason started circulating again and i was getting all these comments from people asking me how i did my makeup in the video Mm -hmm. if i was colorblind And I remember standing in the atrium of Alumni Hall and, of course, again, joking with my friends, I was like, I have to go home and make a video for my fans, y'all. Like, bye. See y'all later. Um, So I went home and I filmed a video of me not even doing my makeup, just like holding it up and talking about it. And I got like a million views overnight. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much the video that started it all. I mean, that was when people started following me and uh, I started pretty much posting regularly on TikTok. So I want to get into um, some of the more specific things you do on the platform. But for those listening, can you explain exactly the, the colorblindness that you deal with, like how that affects your everyday? Yeah. So I was born with a it's a pretty rare hereditary eye disorder called achromatopsia. So I am completely colorblind. So like black and white, I tell people my life is like a black and white movie. Hmm. Um, I also just have low vision in general, and I also have day blindness. So I, I won the blindness lottery. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> um, but I started making just videos about, you know, how I got dressed in the morning. And like I have, you know, adaptive tools that I use to figure out colors of things. Um, and I think the thing that really helped me take off was that one day I decided to put a black and white filter on one of my videos mm-hmm. because I was like, oh, well, this is how I see. And now people can like experience that as well. And so I started doing that. But everyone was commenting. They were like, we want the color version, too. And at first I was a little bit mad because I was like, no, the point is that you're seeing the world through my eyes. Like we don't I, we don't need the color version. Um, but I, I kind of realized from an engagement standpoint, people really loved like watching the black and white version of me doing my makeup or getting dressed and then guessing the colors and then they wanted to see the color version to see if they were right um and so now i post every single video in black and white and then i post it again in color (laughs) yeah it's, it's really interesting i took some time to look through some of your video history and also reading some articles about um certain things that you try to highlight in your videos one of which being brands not putting specific colors on their makeup and how that can be very tricky for you i read some anecdote about how for years you were wearing purple mascara for the longest time thinking it was black something along those lines and and i was at knox when i found out that perfect it was not because i was at a knox event and my friend looked at me and she said oh did you wear that mascara for like knox colors right and i was like what are you talking about mm-hmm. um and that's when I found out it was purple and not black. <laughs> so right, so now that you're up to like 1.3 million, obviously, you know, over that million mark and growing, do you see like the original point of the channel, kind of this fun project, just kind of a way to express yourself, kind of changing to more of like, do you have more of a goal with your videos to spread any sort of awareness or, or, or try to help people understand different things about colorblindness? Or is it kind of all remained the same since that original conception of the channel to now? It's it's definitely turned into a lot more spreading awareness mm-hmm. about just accessibility and disability in general. 
Um, there's just a wonderful, vibrant community of disabled creators online, and I've just gotten to connect with so many people who honestly have like inspired me to to continue posting. And so, honestly, I think all my videos pertain the kind of same theme that I'm just doing things I enjoy, I'm just living my life, but at the same time I'm using them as like teachable moments to educate about like blindness or you know what it's like being a blind person living in a world that isn't really built for blind people um, because there are a lot of misconceptions and there's just a, a lack of education elsewhere. Now, how quick was the, the, the blow-up period for you? Like when, when was like the most rapid time of growth? When, when did that all happen? I... I remember hitting like 100,000 followers in sometime during the pandemic. And it's horrible. The pandemic was terrible, but everyone was at home and they downloaded yeah. TikTok. I, no, and that makes was total sense. Absolutely. That was really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, it, honestly, even in just like the last year, I think I've had a lot of really big videos, which obviously helps me grow followers. Um, but I've had like more brands reach out to me. I'm actually signed with a talent agency now. So I have a manager who like does all my contracts for me. Um, and so I, I honestly in like the last year and it's crazy because for the like for the past for my first two years out of Knox, I was working a nine to five job every single day. Mm -hmm. So I was going home and like filming, you know, before bedtime, my TikTok for the week. Um, and so fitting that in was kind of crazy. But uh now I'm doing it full time, so I have a lot more time to, to devote to TikTok. Interesting. I was just going to ask if this is, is full time now for you. So you answered that question for me. And I'm curious, like, what what does a day to day look like for you? Like, do you wake up and kind of conceptualize video ideas? Are those planned way ahead of time? Like, what does the day in the life look like for a do, do you like the term influencer? I I. I prefer content creator, content I think. Creator. I don't know. I, I don't think influencer is a bad word, but I think people have a lot of associations with influencer. Absolutely. So, yeah. so day in the life of a TikTok content creator, what, <laughs> what does that look like? Yeah. So honestly, I might just talk about my day yesterday because yesterday was a perfect example. Perfect. I, I'm going to be honest. I sleep in a little bit because I have my own schedule Nothing and that's, that's that. what I do. I slept in. <laughs> um, when I woke up, I actually had a few texts from my manager. She just confirmed a new brand deal, which is very exciting. So thank you. So <laughs> we went over just some of the details. She was confirming, like, did I like all that? Um, and I then just went through my email. I have a business email that brands can reach me, reach out to me with. Um, and so I typically read through those. I'll send my manager like, hey, I'm interested in this, like answer them back. Um, and then I actually had um, content to shoot for a brand. And so it's so funny. The brand was like, we don't want this video to be any more than 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And I probably spent like four hours getting ready for that video. And that was, I mean, it's, it's so interesting because it's like, okay, I have to do my hair and makeup, have to make sure that looks good for the video. Then I read through the campaign brief to make sure I'm hitting all the points in this video. Mm -hmm. Then I'm doing the actual filming. And I also had like photos that I needed. It's for an Instagram project. Um, and then I had uh, like script writing because I'm doing everything on voiceover. So I had to edit the video and then voiceover it. And um, then I had to go through the campaign brief to write my captions because most brands have very like right. strict rules for how they want captions written. Um, and then I submitted all of that to the brand. And I think at like 6 p.m. I was finally done with my day. Um, but yeah, that was like a very fulfilling day as a content creator. Yeah, and you know, looking at the 
social media landscape. I know you obviously have your majority of your followers on TikTok, right? And I know you're growing your Instagram as well. What do you see as like the the future aspiration as a, time, a content creator? Like if the if the next big social media platform comes out, like do you try to jump onto that and grow with it? Do you stay steadfast in the one that you're doing the best on? Like wh- how do you look at future aspirations and like longevity of, of content creation? Yeah, I it's definitely about building, you know, like continuing to build on the platforms that I'm on. You know, and as of right now, there's really not another platform I have to worry about too much. I do really well with short form content, so I really haven't done much with YouTube just because that's pretty much all long form. Um, but honestly, more than like my actual content creation, I... I want to do more than just like sitting in my room filming videos. And I actually, I just got invited to speak on a panel in May in New York about like accessibility and beauty Mm -hmm. and like that type of thing. Like I really want to go into like disability consulting and education around accessibility and disability. And so, yeah. So, so you look at where you are now as like maybe like a launching point to further career goals within yeah. this space. That's that's interesting. So yes. you're not banking on TikTok being like as big as it is now in 30 years. No, I mean, it's when I tell people I do this full time, it's like, yeah, my my paycheck depends on if people want to watch me, you know, and you never Absolutely. know when TikTok's going to disappear. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I imagine like the ebb and flow of high visibility videos and then the ones that maybe don't do as well can be frustrating. What is maybe one of the unknown things about being a a higher level content creator that people maybe don't realize looking from the outside in? I think, I mean, honestly, a big thing is just the amount of work that goes into it. I think honestly, before I did this, I was like, oh, they just like sit down, film a video and like that's their work for the day. But there's a lot of like strategy that goes into it of like when to post, what to post, is this going to engage your followers? Um, I mean, it's honestly a little bit annoying because I have to wake up and I'm like, okay, I have to post on my Instagram story today because I need people to engage with me on there so that they follow me. Like it's, there's so much strategy behind it, which sometimes takes a little bit of the fun out of it. But yeah, I don't, I don't think people realize like the weird amount of work that goes into it. Yeah. I mean, just you describing your day, I mean like the amount of like background work that's going on before you can, you know, post a two minute or less video on TikTok, you know, it's this whole day kind of encapsulated into this small nugget, right? Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's really interesting. When you, when you were, and this is kind of pivoting backwards, but when you were at Knox and you were, when you graduated, what were you originally planning on going into? So I... So I majored in American studies and I minored in educational policy. And so I wanted to work for like an educational nonprofit, which is why I went into City Year. Like it was like the perfect job for me. Mm. Um, I spent two years at City Year and I honestly loved it. TikTok was not a career thing for me at all. It was just sort of something I did for fun on the side. Um, You know, I made a little bit of extra money. It was a good side hustle. Um, And I think, again, like we kind of discussed like my channel and my videos kind of bringing on this more educational viewpoint. And like, I think my career goals have sort of changed with that. Cause I'm like, this is something I'm really passionate about and I want to continue doing it, which doesn't mean that I'm not passionate about, you know, history and education, but um, it's just where I am, where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that there was some point where your TikTok was getting big enough where you were like, okay, I need to decide, is this Am I going to turn this full time or am I going to start pivoting towards the career goals that I maybe set out to do originally from my college degree? Right. Was was that a hard decision to finally decide like this is full time? It, it So it kind of worked out perfectly because my position at City Year was coming to an end. So I was going to start having to look for a job anyway. 
And at the time, I got this really big brand deal, which meant that I wasn't gonna, like, I was, I was good on paying my rent, right? For, for a few months. And so I kind of just took the leap. I was like, I might look for jobs in the background, but I'm, I'm gonna do this full time and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know if my parents loved that decision, <laughs> right. um, but it was kind of just like the perfect time. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that there are many, if not on Knox's campus, you know, across the world, obviously, there are tons of people who want to be successful on social media, you know, working with brands, what you're doing exactly. Obviously, there's no secret to success for that, right? Maybe maybe you think there is, and I'm curious, uh, what kind of success goals would you give to people who maybe want to get into this space like what i i know there's no secret seasoning to the soup right i mean like it's it's a bunch of contributing factors but is there anything in particular you could point to something that and i once had that conversation with somebody who's been in this industry for a long time and i he was kind of mentoring me a little bit and i was telling him like i never really planned on doing this and he told me he said those are the people who do really well. Like mm. you have to be authentic about mm. it. And there are a lot of people who want to do social media and it's just, they're not authentic. They're not real. Um, and I've been told quite a bit that people really like my videos because of how authentic I am mm. um, and just how real I am, which yeah, I'm just being me in my videos. Um, but I think that's that's a big thing. I mean, again, yeah, there are so many factors that go into it, but at the end of the day, like you need people to like see the real like a real person, yeah. right? That's, I think, what matters. Do you think being authentic kind of leads to longevity? Yeah, because I, like, I'm not pretending to be something I'm not, and I don't have to, like, keep up this act, you right. know? And so, right. you know, it's it's great that it's just me because I can shift my content into whatever I want, and at the end of the day, it's still me. And so it's still things that my followers are going to resonate with, hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, you know, that, that idea of, like, authenticity, I feel like is very prominent at Knox, right? so many people are learning who they are, learning what they want to be, and Knox kind of helps condition people to be who they are, not be afraid to, you know, step outside their comfort zone and try new things. Or like you were saying at the beginning, the amount of different extracurriculars you took part in, you know, doing those sorts of things. Maybe not in terms of uh, TikTok specifically, but just for people to kind of be able to tell their authentic stories and, and do similar things to what you're doing. What do you think it is about Knox in particular that helps cultivate that kind of mindset? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. I feel like I was able to be myself 100% when I was at Knox. And I, you know, I hope that's true for everyone at Knox. Um, but I think, like, we're all connected through, like, being this, like, quirky, weird Knox community. <laughs> that's fair, yeah. Right? Yeah. But we're also all being ourselves. I don't know. I think there's no pressure to be anything at Knox. You think you come as you are. And you you give your talents and you give you know what you have to contribute to Knox, um, and and yeah I totally agree I I think I was not I was not the same person I was when I when I left Knox as when I when I got here yeah <laughs> when absolutely. I landed in Galesburg for the first time ever yeah Knox did that for me awesome so if people want to stay connected with you and see everything that you're doing is TikTok and Instagram the best places to do that yes yeah um, yeah Natasha C forty four on TikTok and Natasha Cottle on Instagram. (laughs) Well, Natasha, thank you so much for coming and chatting with us today. It's been really interesting hearing about all this. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. Natasha has an amazing story and certainly has an interesting career ahead. Thank you so much to Natasha for coming and chatting with us about her life as a content creator. That's all for this episode of the Knoxcast. 
Thanks for listening.